The Free For All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. Here we go. On the panel this morning, Sabrina Nanji with Queen's Park Observer. Matt Gurney is a journalist and co-founder of The Line, an online magazine. And like I say, Dowson, CTV Pundit, is here as well. Good morning to you all. And um, let's actually start. We've got federal and provincial politics to talk about. I want to start with Pierre. Polyev. I was just playing a portion of his speech from Friday night. I'll play another clip right now. And I'm interested in your opinions on what he brought to the party, because let's face it, it's the content, it's the strategy, and it's the presentation, and it's the fact that it was 15 minutes too long. But anyway, uh, here he is on Justin <laughs> Trudeau. He thinks that if you're afraid of your neighbor, you'll forget that you can't afford your groceries. You see, Mr. Trudeau and I agree that things are broken. We just disagree on what's broken and who broke it. He thinks the people are the problem. Canadians know he is the problem. Uh, interesting, in this clip, I find he sounds exactly like uh, Bill Maher. Um, but, and like I say, Dowson, I'll let you go first. There was a lot of takeaway in that speech, including a very direct pitch at Quebecers. Yeah, and you know, I'd just say that it didn't work because none of the Quebec MPs have come forward to talk about the convention. Super low profile, even though it was in Quebec City. Alain Reyes, who was the head of the Quebec uh, section of the caucus, the former Conservative MP, just announced that he's leaving politics completely. He sat as an independent for a while. But the rumors are that he'll be back in some other capacity. So it didn't work. The Quebec messaging didn't take at all. And one of the things that explains it is that uh, Poiliev has made it kind of a hobby horse to continuously attack CBC, which is also Radio-Canada. And in Quebec, people really rely on Radio-Canada. You do not touch that here. Like, he doesn't get it. You know, he's got a Francophone-sounding name, but he doesn't get Quebec at all. So I'd say that that was a, a wet firecracker right there. And then, uh, I don't know, like, I just found it very phony and very, you know, theatrical, like, you know, dress everybody up and put them on stage and make them sound nice and gentle. When, in fact, Poiliev has made his career as an attack dog. I just thought it was really hard to take completely seriously. All right. Sabrina, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was, you know, pointed and and smart, obviously, his tactics here about um, trying to stick to economic issues, I thought was a good move. Ditto the talk about common sense. And of course, it's clear he's setting his sights on Quebec. I mean, whether or not that lands to Anne's point um, remains to be seen. But I think, you know, a lot of this so far seems to be working. I mean, summer polls have shown Trudeau and the Liberals are tanking while Polivare has, you know, successfully had this mini renaissance. I mean, I mean, I think it's sort of like politics 101. You define yourself before your opponents can define you. And the liberals have sort of failed to do that. But I do think that after this weekend convention, they do have some fresh ammo and an opportunity here to paint him as this dog whistle politician who wants to bring American style culture wars to our country. I'm thinking about the policy side to all of this, where the conservatives voted to uh, on these social issues about creating, you know, single sex spaces for women and the right to refuse vaccines, that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, Polivare isn't bound by any of this. He has his out. But I think in order to weather the inevitable attack from the liberals on this, he's going to have to be like Harper and appease, you know, this big tent that includes include social conservatives without rocking the boat um, for the wider electorate at large. And Matt Gurney, I know the liberals are going to pull that particular weapon out of their holster, but it doesn't always work for them. 
No, and I don't think it's going to work this time. I think the pendulum is swinging, and I think it began swinging about uh, two years ago. And I think, frankly, Polyev has been ahead of that. Um, you got to be careful when you ride these dragons. Very, A lot of politicians try. A lot of politicians think that they're going to be able to channel the demons in a way that uh, do their work for them. And more often than not, they end up getting eaten by them. But I don't know. Polyev might be lucky here in, in the timing here. Um, the issues... The, the social issues that I think the uh, conservatives engage with on the, on the policy floor and uh, the convention are, I think, smart. And I think they are fairly narrowly focused. If you, if you read the resolutions and I think they're going to be broadly popular beyond the conservative base. And I think we're already seeing this as well at the provincial level with the uh, conservative premiers. I think for cynical and self-serving reasons, seizing on the rhetoric of parental rights, even if it's cynical and self self-serving. It doesn't mean it won't be popular. And I think uh, the conservatives on the weekend did pick some social fights, but I think they picked some social fights they think they can win. And I'll go even further and say I think they're right that they can win them. Okay, well, let me move to provincial affairs. And uh, Sabrina, you're our specialist on that front. Um, Doug Ford holding a Ford Fest on Friday. There were protesters, but they're always going to be protesters. I don't know if by your eye it was more significant than it's been in the past. And then Doug Ford decided to get in on this uh, gender identity in schools business. I tend to agree with Matt. I think it's probably an easy sell because you talk about parental rights. If you get down into the nitty gritty of kids who are afraid to tell their parents who they are, because they think they might get kicked out or beaten up. Um, it's not quite a sensible policy. But what's your take? Yeah, I, I think we're all on the same page. I mean, if, if Ford was looking for a channel changer for this growing Greenbelt headache, I think he might have found it with this one. I mean, he got a ton of applause. Granted, you know, he was speaking to his supporters, but he did get applause on when he brought up, you know, uh, gender identity and, and pronouns in schools and that parents should be informed. And this comes after his education minister, Stephen Lecce, said pretty much the same thing. But Lecce sort of prefaced all of this by saying, you know, teachers are trained um, to look for signs that a student might be susceptible to abuse at home um, and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, the Ford government has made clear their position and it's in line with what the public says. I mean, we have polling that says, you know, most people, most parents feel like they should be informed if they, their child wants a gender pronoun change in school. Um, but I still think that this has to do with such a small fraction of our population and it's getting blown up um, in, you know, disproportionately. I think where I think this gets dicey for the Ford government is if they actually draft a policy or a mandate on this, like some other provinces have done, it could become like a legal and civil, civil liberties quagmire. And to be fair, there's nothing formal being mandated at this point. But should it come to that, I think the Ford government is going to have to walk a, a careful line regardless. Yeah, I suspect, and like I say, Dowson, they're not going to enact anything because they're going to wait on the fact that within two and a half weeks, this is going to be all argued in uh, the courts of Saskatchewan. But still, uh, I don't know, does it qualify? qualify as a dog whistle. Yeah, I think it does for sure. It's going to be argued in the courts because Saskatchewan and New Brunswick have both legislated parental consent for kids under 16. Uh, but I mean, it is really a guy. I am a parent of two kids. And, you know, if your kids choose to confide in you, you're just it's because you've done a reasonably good job as a parent. And there are some parents whose kids don't want to confide in them about these kinds of identity issues, because, as you mentioned, they're afraid. So in effect, in effect, they're using this tiny major minority of kids who are super vulnerable 
you know, propping them up like it's almost like a straw man argument. It's really terrible for that tiny minority of kids who are already, you know, more likely to be victimized, more likely to have mental health issues because we still live in a pretty homophobic, transphobic society. I really, I just find this kind of reprehensible. It will be interesting to see how this plays out in the courts. I just say, leave those kids alone, for goodness sakes. Just leave them alone. We can quote from a famous song. Uh, Matt Gurney. Um, you know what? I, I think Anne's wrong. And I think Anne's wrong in, in one very important specific way. I had wonderful, supportive, welcoming, embracing parents, and I did not rush home to tell them the night I became sexually active. Teenagers, even in good families, do not share things with their parents. And I think probably in all of us would have some version of that. I think I'm probably on Anne's side in the big picture sense of, of think of what the right balance is on the policy and, and being cynical about the motives of the politicians. But I also just think the argument that if you're a good parent, you're going to know is wrong because good kids keep secrets from good parents all the time. It's part of adolescence. It's part of growing up. And I don't know what happens when people grow older that causes them to forget what they were like when they were teenagers. I hid stuff from my good parents all the time. And I'm going to bet all of you on the panel and most of the listeners right now would agree with me here. I don't necessarily think that compels a change in provincial legislation, but I think at least we have to be honest with ourselves here that this could be an issue, even in good families. Okay. Well, but I'm talking, I'm not how, in what way am I wrong, Matt, when I say that if you confide in your teachers and your school community that you maybe want to change your name and your pronouns, why does that suddenly become the business of your parents? Like, it's a privilege to know this stuff about your kids. It's not a given. In that sense, I think we agree. And I don't think these kids should be hung out to dry by a desperate Doug Ford who's got the RCMP investigating his $8.3 billion Greenbelt giveaway, among other things. Let's keep moving because I want to get to a few other issues. Uh, One of them would be that, uh, speaking of gender issues and all kinds of controversy, the Spanish Soccer Federation president has finally resigned, this after planting an unwanted kiss on the lips of one of uh, their players. And Sabrina and Angie, I suppose some people could say, oh, get over it, it's just a kiss. But it was an unwanted kiss, and he didn't seem to think there was anything wrong with it. Yeah, good riddance. I mean, it's so gross, even grosser that his initial defense was saying, you know, this is this is a kiss he could have given one of his daughters. Like that line of defense makes my blood boil. It's like when it's like saying, like, you know, you're accused of racism and, and then you say something like, well, my best friends are black. It just doesn't fly. It's not it. And I mean, what's worse is, you know, there are reports out there that the you know, Federation reportedly pressured the player to show support for this guy. Just, you know, it, I feel like it could have happened a lot sooner. This issue was black and white to me. I mean, blatant sexism and abuse of authority. And don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> OK, Matt Gurney, people will say or have argued, come on, it's just a guy giving a girl a kiss. But I always remember a workplace I was in many years ago where the boss was always giving everybody a back massage and gave the girls uh, underwear for Christmas. Oh, well, uh-huh. that, uh, yeah, that's I the gift that goes. <laughs> yeah, no, the stocking stuffer, everybody's looking forward to at the office Bro. party. Um, look, I, I think the thing that, <clears throat> pardon me, the thing that made this story particularly absurd 
was not just the original incident, which was wildly unacceptable and should have immediately resulted in him either being fired or doing the right thing and resigning. But the thing that I think really kicked this up a couple of levels in terms of global interest was just his adamant refusal to step down. And if he had done the right thing and quit, or if the Spanish Federation had done the right thing and immediately sacked the guy, we wouldn't still be talking about this. What turned this into a global story is just the fact that this guy decided to spend weeks hanging on, which is interesting, right? Right, because not only has it brought probably, well, clearly needed attention to the issue of, of proper boundaries within the workplace, the guy also went out of his way to completely immolate his future career prospects. Unless, of course, he goes on the podcasting circuit, in which case I'm sure he'll make a million dollars. Okay, last word, and like I say, doesn't. I think it's. I think it was necessary, and I think it will send out a message, hopefully, to guys who do this type of stuff, grabbing women without their consent. I mean, he really grabbed her. If you look at the. The imagery. He also grabbed his crotch and, you know, acted in a completely inappropriate, toxic male way. So, I mean, you know, we love lots of guys, but we do not love this kind of behavior. Thank you all. Good to have you. And like I say, Dowson, Matt Gurney, and Sabrina and Angie. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.